Just love her like Jesus, carry her to him. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. You don't need the answers to all of life's questions. Just know that he loves her, stay by her side. Love her like Jesus. Love them like Jesus, carry them to Him. His yoke is easy, His burden is light. You don't need the answers to all of life's questions. Just know that He loves them. Stay by their side. Love them like Jesus.
Good morning, everyone. Ooh, good answer. Give it a good shot. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, some of you are still waking up. We got some coffee. That was good. We're on our third cup up here. <laughs> so we're good. I hope everyone's had a good week and that you got to enjoy the snow a little bit and everybody's starting to get their Christmas thoughts going on, things like that. We're really glad to see you here. It's nice to see everyone just coming in with smiles on their faces this morning. Did you have a good week? Yes? I'm glad to hear that. Well, let's all gather together here and let's stand and we're going to begin our time of worship this morning. So would you stand with me? And we'll begin our time of worship together.
Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's welcome him in this morning. Lord, I'm grateful for your presence here today. Lord, we're thankful that we've got joy because we have you. That there's nothing that we need to worry about. And that you've got it all under control. Lord, we have every reason to smile because we have you. So no matter what we're going through, the trials that we're walking, the path that's unlit, you are still there. We're grateful for that. Lord, I pray that this morning we will be focused on you. Just settle everything from the week down. Get our minds and our hearts lined up to where we're really in tune to your voice. I pray that your fragrance will overwhelm us. That we will actually know that you are holding us in each chair. And that you have every prayer request in this room held in your hand. And the ones that are unspoken, Jesus, that haven't even risen to the surface yet, that you're already on it. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'll be in the middle of our service today. That you will be our guest of honor. That we came for you and nothing else and that we're laying ourselves down for you to come in and work in our lives and in our hearts and in our circumstances, individually and as a church. This is about you this morning, Jesus, and coming to you is just the perfect place to be. So Lord, I ask you to put a special anointing on Pastor Ben this morning. Let him bring your word strong and bold to us. And I pray we will receive it, Jesus, that we won't tune out when the hard stuff comes. But instead, we'll say, okay, come on in. Do the work you got to do in me because I know you have a better plan than I have. So, Jesus, we give you this morning. We thank you for the joy in you. And we thank you for what you're going to do before you've even done it. Lord, we love you. And all God's people said, amen. Would you guys turn and greet each other this morning? Give a happy, warm welcome to the people around you. We are glad you're here. Good morning. All right, if we could take our seats, find our spots. Got a few announcements for you guys. Um, first off, you should have got a handout when you came in, and inside of that, there's a connection card. If you want to pull that out right now, um, please, please, please fill that out, especially uh, if you're new, uh, if you want to just give some information, if you want to do 
prayer requests? Yes. I can dismiss kids. You did forget, didn't you? <laughs> we can now dismiss the kids to go to Children's Church. Go meet up with Tracy in the back corner there. And you guys are going to have a great time. Uh, we have already a, a bunch of people grab uh, Samaritan, Purse, um, Samaritan Purse's Christmas boxes. We only have about 16 left. You saw it when you came in uh, on a table in the lobby, so please uh, get the rest of those. We want to get to our goal of 100. That would be awesome. Um, other needs that we have for this Wednesday night's nursery needs. Uh, on, on the 9th and the 30th, we are in need of some nursery workers. So um, I believe they can go see Sharon about that. We can see Sharon about that. She's right there. So please go see her if you are interested in helping out with that. We, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we have a picture from our youth party on the 30th. This is all of us wearing our costumes. You can see me in the bacon there. And extra points if you can barely make out little tiny Henry as a avocado. We, we went as breakfast foods. Um, but you can see some other great costumes there. That was a great time. It was had by all on our uh, youth party. Um, speaking of the youth, uh, we, we will be starting a new Sunday school. Some, this might be news for some of you youth that are in the service right now. I'm looking at you guys. I see you. There is a Sunday school starting. Uh, it will start at 9 a.m. on um, on Sundays, but it will start on the 20th of this month. So it's coming up. We'll have rotating uh, teachers to to lead that. It's going to be great. So we will meet in the library uh, just on the other side of the green room here. So um, that's going to be a good time. And if you're interested in helping out with that, please let me know. We could always use more teachers in the rotation there. Um, one more youth announcement. We have Power Surge which is a retreat coming up this next weekend. So we won't be here. We won't be having youth group uh, on the 13th, I believe it is. Uh, so, But please be in prayer. This is a wonderful time for our youth to come together with all the other Nazarene churches in Colorado. Uh, we're going to meet at Estes Park, the YMCA, the Rockies there. It's a beautiful setting, uh, a great opportunity to grow in our faith and collectively as a group. So please be in prayer for that as we go for that next weekend. Um, now, if we could have the uh, ushers come forward, we're going to go ahead and take this morning's tithes and offerings. You guys join me as, I, as we bless the offering. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us and all that you give us. There's so many there's innumerable ways that you bless us, Lord. And this is a, just a token, this is just an act of worship that, um, that is in response to all that you give us. It's all, it's all from you anyway, so giving back should be a breeze for us, Lord. Um, but be with this offering, uh, multiply it, let it go where it needs to go to help build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In your name we pray.
to know we've been rescued. You always think about that as a kid, of being rescued, and we are. We've lived it. We, we get to benefit from what he did for us. That is so very thankful for that. He's always there. Every time I tried to make it on my own, every time I tried to stand and start to fall, all those lonely roads that I have traveled on, 
You know, Larry came up to me before the service. This next song that we're doing is Jaira. I love his heart because he wants people to know Jesus. And that's what we all need to do. But he's like, Lori, you've got to tell him who Jaira is. And I said, okay, I'll tell him. God has so many names that it's hard to keep up. But he has a name for every need you may have. And you can go to him and call on that name say, Lord, I need you. And he's our supplier and our provider in so many different ways, and that's what Jireh means. So you can go to him if you need something, if you need healing, 
if you need heartbreak healed, if you just need somebody to listen, he's there. And it's just something to always know that he's got a name for everything. So if you need to know a name, let me know. I have them written down because there's so many of them. I don't have them all memorized. But they're beautiful. And our God is beautiful. And he gives us, he, that's how personal he is with us is he gives us a name for everything we need to talk to him about. And it's just so special. So thank you, Larry, for loving people the way you do. Never been more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I've never been more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm. But I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out. You would cross an ocean so I wouldn't drown. I've never been closer than you are right now. You are Tyra. You are enough.
Father, that has always been and always will be true. We give you praise. Thank you for being our ever-present help in times of trouble, our refuge and strength, our provider, our healer, our Savior, and our God. Thank you, Father. Father, we bring our needs to you today. We pray over that power surge retreat as teenagers all across Colorado come together, and I pray that you pour out your spirit on them. Be a life-changing, life-giving presence in their midst. Father, in this election week, we pray for our country. We pray for good even godly leaders who will cross the aisle, who will find common ground, who will lay aside their own personal agendas. And these challenging days come together for the good of this nation. this Veterans Day week, we thank you for those in our own congregation standing here right now that have served their country, and we pray your blessing on them, where help and healing is still needed in their lives. We pray for that. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters around this world that are in harm's way. pray for deliverance, for safety, and even more than that, we pray, Father, that wherever your church is, wherever followers of Christ are gathering, even today, that you would strengthen their faith and remind them of the certain hope they have in you. And God, may all around this world and across this country and in this community and right here in this place today, help us to be salt and light in a world that needs the good news of the gospel. And I pray over those that have gathered here today, you know the burdens that we bear, you know the loved ones, the children, the grandchildren, the friends that we're praying for and burdened for, you know our needs. You know that before we even voice them to you. I pray that you'd meet each one at the point of their need here today. Strengthen our faith brighten our hope, encourage our hearts, lift those burdens, heal those hurts, restore and help us, God. Thank you for the privilege of coming together as your church to worship you, to hear your word, to pray. Now, Father, I pray again that you'd give us ears to hear that word, give us hearts that are open, humble ready to receive the work that you want to do in us. We pray all that with thanksgiving for all the ways you've blessed us. We're grateful. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Always good to be together. Amen. Right, three of us are fired up about being here together today. 
I want you to turn to 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles or those Bible apps, can I introduce you to new friends? Uh, Richard and Barb back here. I don't know that I caught their last names. Could you stand real quickly? And uh, let's honor these newly retired Nazarene pastors. Flatlanders like me, although not as far east, uh, Topeka, Kansas, most recently, and uh, we really do, yeah, Larry's going to get blessed. We really do thank you for your years of service, and I pray that these years ahead are just some of the very best ever for you guys. I appreciate Pastor Scott's message last week from Romans 5. He covered that whole chapter. I didn't know he could do it, but he did it. Nice job, Pastor Scott. Thank you for that. My wife Kelly's away today. She's in Pennsylvania celebrating her mom's uh, 85th birthday here. Her sister flew in from Idaho for that. And uh, if Kelly's watching, love you. Uh, get on back here. Ten days is too long to be apart. And uh, maybe Barbara is uh, also watching. And uh, love her too. I've got a great mother-in-law. On the day that it snowed here, Kelly sent this picture. And uh, was bragging about the fact that she was out on a hike on her mom's farm in short sleeves. So I think that's what it's supposed to look like early November. Some of you have asked, does it ever snow in Maryland or what's the snow like? Well, here's a picture that will tell you. It does snow in Maryland. Yes, that's uh, me to the right. I can't remember what year that was, but that is not October. That's not even November or December. That's probably January or February. Maybe March, uh, but anyway, there you go. This is uh, the fourth message in a series on holiness that I'm preaching here before we wind up at Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. This one was shaping up to be a long one, so I had mercy on you. I divided it into two, so part one this Sunday, part two next Sunday. Is that a deal? Now, you got to promise to come back for part two, or else I'm just going to preach them all today. I think you will. In this series on holiness, we began with the holiness of God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God says in that first message, or I said in that first message, that I needed at least two words to describe God. And those two words are holy, love. There is a love that isn't holy. And there's a holiness that isn't loving, and God is neither of those. If God is holy love, we should have a holy love. Amen? In that second message, we focused on love being the end result of God's sanctifying work in us. Love made perfect in John Wesley's terms. Sometimes you have to work through the language as we talk about uh, holiness and various other subjects, and I think uh, that's true in that Wesleyan phrase. Alarms perhaps go off for some of us when we hear the word perfect. We typically define that as free from faults or defects. Ain't none of us perfect, amen? But Wesley and indeed Jesus and the apostles used the term perfect in the Greek word teleos, sense, meaning complete, mature, equipped to accomplish the task for which it was made. I may have told you about a young guy named Rob Hampton back home that takes uh, old bikes, rusty 
broken, uh, beat up old bikes and fixes them up and gives them to lower income kids who can't afford their own bike. And before you know it, those kids are riding those bikes in their neighborhoods and having a good old time. They've been restored to what they were made for. Now, those bikes will still get a flat tire every once in a while. They might get rusty if they're left out in the yard during a rain. But they have come to a place of restoration, accomplishing what they were made to do. That's perfect in the teleos sense. Working through the language is necessary when it comes to the distinctive doctrine of the Church of the Nazarene. And my third message in this holiness series was about entire sanctification. Personally, I think the wording may be unfortunate. Let me circle back to that for just a moment, and then I promise I'll get to this part one message today. Just to clarify, sanctification The word that we use to describe simply what God does in us to make us holy. Sanctification describes God's work from beginning to end. From the moment I'm saved to the day I die, God is going to be working in me to make me holy, to make me more like Christ. Entire sanctification in the Nazarene realm describes a definite, specific work of God in a believer within the broader process of sanctification. Does that make sense? Entire does not mean an end to the process. I'm still a work in progress. That's a good place for an amen. Entire does not mean an end to the process. Rather, it describes the entire devotion to God we can have as a result of His entirely filling us with His Holy Spirit, as a result of His breaking the power of the sinful nature in us redeemed people, and all of that in response to our full surrender to God. And there's the important thing, our full surrender to the Lord Jesus, offering ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Don't get wrapped around the axle about just what and how and when God does what he does. But nail this down. It's an all-in kind of thing. If we want God to make us holy people, if we want to accomplish the noble purpose for which we were created, we've got to be all in, fully surrendered, completely to Him. Well, if you still have any questions about that distinctive doctrine, give me a call this week. Uh, It might cost you lunch, but I'll give you all the answers I've got. Okay, now to today's message. I think the good news in all of that is that God is in the life-changing business. He changes our behavior, our lifestyle, our priorities, our view of the world, our value. From the inside out, God works. And then here's the beautiful thing. God changes the world one changed life at a time. And we can be a part of that. That gets me excited. That's a good segue to the message today, which you see. A holy life of love, part one. 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to begin at verse 13. I'm reading from the old NIV. I think you'll see the new NIV up on the screen. 1 Peter 1 at verse 13. Therefore... 
Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is one of those classic uh, holiness texts that, among other things, reminds us that the call of God to be holy is timeless. Peter quotes from that holiness 101 book in the New Testament, Leviticus, given to the Israelites when they came out of Egypt on their way to the promised land 2,000 years before Christ. And now a couple of thousand years uh, since Christ and since the apostle wrote this letter, the call is the same. And for the same reasons, our call to a holy life of love, our call to holiness is for our good. It's the very best life you could live. It's to preserve the good creation of God all around us. And we're called to holiness so that through us, through the lives that we live, God can make himself known to the world. And I'll try to illustrate all of those things as we go along in this message today. Let's start back up at verse 13. We're going to focus on uh, verses 13 to 21 today in this first part. Verse 13, therefore, always in Scripture, connects this passage with what precedes it. And in this case, it's a celebration of the hope we have in Christ, particularly in his resurrection. It's worth bumping back up to verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, reserved for you in heaven until that time. Now my memorization is running out. Rats. 
kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Do we recognize the hope that we have gathered here today? That you and I are going to live forever? That you and I have recaptured the purpose of these few years that we have on this earth? That we have something to wake up uh, for tomorrow morning? That there's a reason to live? That there's a difference to be made? That we have a God in heaven that loves us and he has a great plan for our life? That he made this world in the beginning, that he's going to make it all new one of these days. That the old order of things is going to be done and everything's going to be made new. There will be no more sorrow or suffering or crying or mourning. Is that awesome? Every once in a while, I got to uh, remind myself of that because I get kind of down about whatever. It's so important to keep the big picture in mind, Amen. In fact, everything that we're asked to do, we're asked not to do, we've got to see that in light of this grand story that we're part of, the reality that we're caught up into. Okay, since that's true, what are we to do? How are we to live? First of all, Peter says, still at verse 13, prepare your minds for action. For starters, I'd say keep your head in the game. Think. God gave us the ability to think. You ever had a friend do something and you thought, what were you thinking? Maybe like this guy? Yeah, that's the cue. <laughs> now that looks a little staged, but... These next two guys, these are not staged. How about these guys? Yeah. What were you thinking? Now, if Kelly were here, she'd say, now that's something, Ben, you would do. And she's probably right. Okay. Moving on there, Scott. When we don't stop and say to ourselves, okay, in this situation, what did God say? We don't count to ten and just think a little bit. Before we make a decision, before we do something, before we say something. It's no accident that the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 2 connects God's transforming work in our lives to the renewing of our minds. I love God's invitation in Isaiah 1:18. Come, let us reason together. Or in his Galatian letter, the Apostle Paul, in, uh, in uh, dealing with the Galatians who were letting the Judaizers make them believe that they still had to be circumcised and keep the law to be saved. In essence, Paul's response to them was, what were you thinking? What's gotten in your head? Who has bewitched you? But more than keeping your head in the game, Peter says it's preparing our minds for action. If this were the King James Version, Peter might uh, use the words, gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind. In the times that the scriptures record, a man would tuck his robe into his belt to prepare him for quick action or fast running. 
comparable to our uh, rolling up our sleeves or tightening our belt. I'm going to pretend like my iPhone is a remote. We cannot live our life like this. Figuratively or literally, we cannot be spiritual couch potatoes. We need to be more like this. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Add the next admonition, be self-controlled. You might recognize that as a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Keep a level head. Among other things, don't let your emotions get the best of you. Anyone who follows college football or has for any length of time might recognize this guy, since I'm from the state of Ohio originally, I thought I might throw this in as an illustration. Who recognizes who that is? Woody Hayes. Uh, he led uh, high state Buckeyes, who are still one of the dominant college teams in the country, uh, to uh, several national championships, et cetera, et cetera. But he was a hothead, Woody Hayes was. And I think that picture upper left is the punch to a Clemson player in the Gator Bowl 1978 that cost Coach Woody Hayes his job. Woody, be self-controlled. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. My uh, youngest daughter, Abby, um, was a standout athlete in a lot of sports. You can move ahead with that, Scott. Um, from second grade on, she played basketball, soccer, softball. She has a great arm. She and I would team up on football games. I'd say, go long, Abby, or I'd go long. Anyway, track and then cross country was her main sport. And uh, Kelly and I, with flexible schedules, never missed a game. And uh, I only lost it twice in all those years at games or meets. And I remember standing up at a basketball game. I was, I, I'm embarrassed to say it. Come on, coach! I was just hollering like one of them. And I'll have to say, I have never said something in anger I didn't regret later. Be self-controlled. Peter said. Don't react, respond. Stay steady. We're talking about a, a holy life of love. Combine those two instructions, uh, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, and you've got a person who is not going to let their feelings or their physical drives and desires rule them. When you get knocked on your can by a cheap shot that the ref didn't catch, keep your cool. If you know it's not a good idea to surf the net aimlessly late at night when you're tired and alone, don't. Made me think of uh, Nazarene evangelist Mike Benson. My Nazarene pastor friends probably know that name, and he came for revival services a couple of times back home, and he made it a habit when he checked in a hotel when he was in another city uh, for revival. First thing he would do is get in his room, uh, undo the cable from the wall and the TV, take it down and check it in at the desk. How do you like that for accountability? We're talking about a holy life of love. Still in verse 13, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
Our hope is not in our stellar performance. Aren't you glad? Now, I want to be all that God wants me to be. I want to give it my very best. But when can I ever do enough to earn life forever and life here for that matter? Our hope is not in our stellar performance. It's in the grace of God, the grace we were saved by, the grace that sustains us, the grace that is always sufficient, the grace that will fully and finally be extended to us on that day when Jesus returns, which is what Peter is referencing here. To know I'm saved by grace, that I'll stand in his presence one day, and that's what saves me, frees me from this uh, burden of having to earn my standing with God. It, It frees me from any fear I might have of that day. In his return. Grace, grace, grace. A holy life of love means receiving God's grace. I have to say, us Nazarenes aren't always great at that. We need to be able to receive God's grace. Know that he loves us. Devoted to those means of grace, and they are that. The scriptures and prayer and worship and fellowship, all means of grace. They're gifts to us. But that grace is not without effect. I want to live a holy life of love. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be the man he wants me to be. Amen? Grace is not without effect. And there's intentionality in all these instructions that Peter has given us here. They don't happen by accident. But neither is it our own effort alone. I'm back to that analogy I used a couple of weeks ago of a dance. We dance with God in this life of faith. And he takes the lead and grabs our hands and puts his arm around us. But we've got to move our feet. But it's with his help at his lead. It's It's that kind of relationship. Paul may summarize it well, Colossians 1.29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. (laughs) That pretty much sums it up. Verse 14, Peter writes, as obedient children. Lori likes to call us God's kids. We've been born again, friends. John 1, 12, for everyone who believes, he gives the right to become children of God, who've been recipients of God's grace, his, his gift of life. We're only here because of him, his gift of salvation, all his other gifts who have experienced the love of the Father. We love our kids, amen, and our grandkids. And our grandkids, oh, you thought I wasn't going to do that today. Oh, that just tears me up. Okay, you can move forward. And every once in a while, I just have to remind myself, if I can love my Emmy or my Abby or my Bex that much, I would do anything for them. How much more does God love us? I don't know about you, I still got to get that from my head to my heart. 
especially when I mess up, especially when I feel like I had a day I just didn't do squat. My kids have those days, and you know what? I love them still yet. God loves us a lot. And having experienced that much love and grace, who wouldn't want to be obedient? As sons and daughters committed to doing what the Father says, now we get to the heart of these instructions. Peter says, don't conform. Here, in this verse, don't conform to your former way of living, to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And when you hear evil desires or evil in general in the scriptures, don't just think heinous crimes. Don't think, uh, you know, uh, Hitler, Nazi Germany or uh, murder. could be impatience. It's, it's anything that misses the mark of God's good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And I thought about that. This, this letter to the church scattered uh, in various places came just years after Christ's death and resurrection. So it's going out to people for whom the gospel is brand new. So there was a lot of ignorance before that. And these days when it has been revealed now and sweeping the world for 2,000 years, maybe not as much of that, but still there is some. We live in a day, and this really uh, came home to me back in Maryland. Maybe it's true around here too. We've got a generation or two that didn't grow up in church, that doesn't have an awareness of the gospel, that don't have a basic understanding of the scriptures. I was flashing back, and I've told you before, back home for years, I've worked with young men at risk. Uh, some of them are good friends today. And I was uh, thinking as I prepared this message about a talk I had with them at a park near our church. We had just gotten done playing football or ultimate frisbee or something, and we always bring a cooler full of drinks, and we were sitting under the trees, and I, and I thought it was, it was time to have the talk with these young men. These are like middle school guys. And I uh, launched into this uh, idea that we should save sex for marriage. And by the expression on their faces and their responses, I'm pretty certain they had never heard that before. Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In Romans 12, 2, the other place the word conform shows up, the Apostle Paul says not to conform to the pattern of this world. And of course, the world here simply refers to the ways, the culture, the values formed and promoted by people who are still living out of their own evil desires. You following that? I.e., outside of the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I think our first Sunday here, I'm going to try to illustrate. First Sunday here, you guys uh, ask us some questions. Remember that? Back in March, we had a little after-service dinner, and one of the questions, just kind of light questions, was uh, Marvel or DC movies? DC comic movies? Uh, I think I said Marvel. And I like a good Marvel movie every once in a while. Um, 
Here's the thing that I try to keep in mind in my movie watching, and I really do. You know, outside of Chronicles of Narnia and uh, Lord of the Rings and Christian movies, which I've liked, War Room was good, Soul Surfer, uh, and you know, there's, there's, but outside of that, even the best of movies, and I think of some of my favorites, McFarland USA, uh, Dead Poets Society, Way Back, Robin Williams, you know, just good movies. But here's the thing. Even the best of movies, the movies that I like, write God right out of the script. Think about that. We're in season 12 of Heartland. I mention Heartland every once in a while, you know. We get that on Pure Flix, which is like the Christian Netflix. And so they, they bleep out any bad language. I don't think there's a ton of it, but there's some. And that's, in general, somewhat wholesome film. I really only watch it because Kelly likes it. Hey, Kelly, in case you're watching the service. But it is, it's a good time for us. But I know she's just watching it because of the horses and hot guys. I know that. I can live with that. But 12 seasons of, of Heartland, and, and God's nowhere in the picture. Of course, I could go back to, I'm taking too long here, Gilligan's Island. I mean, all those great sitcom shows that some of us grew up with, right? F Troop. But the point is, there's just no God in any of that. It might be decent entertainment, but you got to keep your head in the game. And my, my, my assessment is that the average American watches 25 to 40 hours of TV over decades of time. It's going to form your thinking and form your value system. And, and suddenly, you could write God out of your script. Taylor Swift, <laughs> now if my girls are watching, they're really perking up right now. I know, you guys like Taylor Swift. My girls both like her. Honest confession, couple, I didn't hear, I've never listened to a Taylor Swift song until yesterday in preparation for this message. And she just recently was in the news this week, right? Has the top 10 on the what? Hot 100 list? I mean, top 10, never before has any... Uh, artists done that, and I, I just wondered, my girls get aggravated with me because they'll say, hey, Dad, what's our favorite female artist? And I'll always say Carrie Underwood. I always get Carrie Underwood and Taylor Swift mixed up. So I'm looking back here at Hattie and Amber and, and Nathan. They're probably thinking, Pastor Ben, you are completely out of touch. You would be right. Um, I think Taylor Swift professes to be a Christian. I don't know her. I'd love to meet her one of these days. I'd like to meet the cast of Heartland. I'd like to, you know, because I, I watch movies and shows, and I think there are real people here with real lives. I wonder what they're like. I often Google their spirituality or their religion and, you know, find out a little bit about them. But anyway, Taylor Swift's up there only because all of her songs are probably in other cases in point. At least the lyrics that I looked at in the videos I watched yesterday, they're just God's not in the script. Okay, moving on. Taylor Swift is definitely going to be a distraction. What's the alternative, according to Romans 12, 2, to being conformed? And I think my point in all that is we can be so exposed to all of that that it will have an influence on us. And we have to be at least aware of that and I think counter that. We're more like the world these days than we are the Word. Why is that? might be a factor of time. 
What's the alternative, according to Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Back to God changing our lives from the inside out. And as a result of God's sanctifying work in us, we don't run after the same things that everybody else runs after. Christmas is 48 days away. Is our Christmas season any different than anybody else's? Or are we starting to stress about all the shopping and all the baking and everything that we need to do? We don't run after things at all. I don't think our pursuit is happiness. I want you to be happy. I want to be happy. I want my girls to be happy. But my first goal with my girls growing up was that they be good. And I think as we're a part of the things that God wants us to be a part of in a holy life of love, there will be happiness to that. But it's not my pursuit. God is my pursuit. The life that he wants for me is my pursuit. We won't think the same way. I look at retirement entirely different than what I might have grown up thinking retirement was. Growing up in these United States, retirement is working as hard as you can, making as much money as you can so that at some point you can stop working and play golf or travel or take up hobbies. My uh, view of retirement now is maybe doing a little bit more of that, but I want to serve till Jesus comes. Retirement is that time when I'm going to be free to just get out there and help people, make a difference in my world. I've got forever to have fun. Back to sports, that can consume us. Our Abby, from second grade till she graduated high school, was involved in all kinds of sports. But never one time was she involved in a sport that took her away from this. Or youth group. None of that. We loved her sports. We went to the game. She enjoyed, but it didn't get in the way of gathering with the church and following Jesus. We don't have the same attitudes. <laughs> this might be a little risky in this election week. I don't think a person living a holy life of love will automatically uh, write somebody off because they're a Democrat or because they're a Republican or put any other label you want on any other sphere of life. Now, you do have to, in terms of election, examine the, uh, what, now I'm forgetting the term, what that party stands for, platform. You need to look at the voting record of candidates. You need to vote, I believe. We need to be engaged. Kelly and I mailed in our mail-in ballots this past week for elections back east, but we don't write people off just because they're a part of a political party opposite our own, I don't think. Got a couple, three pictures. This is a little bit of a side note. Here's one of my favorite pictures of all time. You got that, Sky? I, don't, I can't remember if this was a, just a special service at the Washington Cathedral or a memorial service. Scott, do you know? Was it George H. Bush? Yeah, maybe it was. And George W. Bush is slipping Michelle Obama a mint. And I don't know why, when I saw that picture for the first time, it just, it warmed my heart. There's a couple more pictures. Uh, they had a good relationship. And in fact, when uh, George W. Bush left office and Obama uh, came in, there was a peaceful transfer of power. And in my uh, George W. is one of my favorite presidents, I suppose. 
He was the kind of guy who would reach across the aisle. I know those kinds of pictures just, it just makes me have some hope. I don't know. Now, you may send me some emails this week (laughs) about all that, but a holy life of love, what does that look like in the political arena? Anyway, moving on, don't conform. Don't let the prevailing culture pressure you, squeeze you into its mold. What are we to do instead? Peter says, be holy in all you do. Let God transform you and then live out that change and change your world. Remember, two facets to holiness, that inside facet, him making us pure, and then the outward set apart relative to the world for the purposes of God. Here's a quote from the New Beacon Bible Commentary. The call to holiness is overwhelmingly inclusive. There is no aspect of believers' lives that does not fall under the command to be holy. The church fails of impressiveness in the world largely because there is not enough difference between the people inside and those outside to strike a contrast. I pray that it would not be true of us. Be pure in your motives and all you do. Love is the driving force. Love. Recognize the higher purpose of glorifying God in all you do. You're set apart for his purpose, which is bigger than. I know we've got an accountant in this crowd today. We've got a school bus driver. We've got somebody that works for Homeland Security. We've got a real estate agent. We've got a lineman for the county. Isn't that Glenn Campbell? And he drives the main road. He's smiling over there. I see him. We've got a couple of guys that play high school football. You might be going to the prom next spring. We've got some retired guys that like to hang out at McDonald's. And I'm telling you what, God's purpose is playing out in all those places. Peter says, be holy in all you do. And wherever there are people, it doesn't matter what your job is. Your purpose can be playing out to join God in saving this world and setting it right again. In restoring it. Part one's going too long here, guys. I'm sorry. Hang in there with me. Live as strangers here, Peter says. We used to sing. It's going to be a singing message today. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. Johnny Cash sang that too. I probably sound better. A traveling through this world below. Sojourners we are. We're just passing through. That doesn't mean we don't care about the world, right? I thought maybe our time in Woodland Park would be a good illustration of this. Uh, Kelly and I arrived here at March 10 this year, and uh, we've formed relationships. We've made friends. You've been like a family to us. Uh, We hope that we've made a difference. You've certainly made a difference for us. But we came here knowing we wouldn't be here long term. We'd be here for nine months or thereabouts. Uh, We didn't buy a house. We didn't settle in. But it's still been so, so good. I think that's life. This life isn't all there is. 
Peter says, don't get too comfortable. Don't drive those stakes in too deep and certainly don't buy into the ways of the world. In the middle of that great faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, that writer writes this. All these people, these men and women of faith, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are strangers here, sojourning in reverent fear. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It should characterize every one of us who travels this road of life. Why? Peter gives two reasons. Uh, First, we have a father who judges each person's work. We should live with the awareness that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, saved by grace, but we will give an account for what we've done with the life that God has gifted us. Why, Reverend Fear? Second reason, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Seems it always comes back to that, always comes back to the cross. I've said it a few times since we've been here. We need to keep coming back to the cross, look up into the face of Jesus. Over the course of my ministry and the other pastors in this congregation could say the same. I walked uh, many times into the room of people who were dying. Oftentimes those were good friends. I'm thinking about my friend Kevin who died of prostate cancer, 52 years old. And there's something sacred and sobering walking into the room of someone who is just hours or days from dying. And I thought about that. We should live in the presence of, with the awareness of, the one who died for us. Live your lives here in reverent fear. Verses uh, 20 and 21 bring us back to where we started, that bigger picture. And Peter goes on to describe in greater detail our Lord Jesus and God's plan in sending him. That bigger picture is so important. And here's where we'll end today, the second part of verse 21. We recognize that our faith and hope are not in ourselves, but in God. God expects me to use my head, but I need his wisdom. God expects me to take action, but I need his strength. God expects me to be holy in all I do, but I need his ongoing, sanctifying Holy Spirit power, and His grace. And that's all good to remember because a holy life of love is not an easy life. The decision to follow Christ should not be taken lightly. Once in a while, I'll have people say to me, oh, your faith is just a crutch. Uh, 
I think you all have made this stuff up just so you can cope with a life that's, that's tough. And I say, brother, if I was just making up a religion to make me feel better, I would have left about 75% of this out. Jesus told would-be followers to count the cost. Sometimes I think we've overemphasized the benefits of following Jesus without really uh, educating people as to what that's going to mean. Holy love calls us to do the hard thing sometimes, maybe often. Forgiving, speaking truth, denying ourselves, putting others first, going the extra mile, turning the other cheek. It's not an easy life, but it's a good one. It's the only truly good one. The life God intended for us from the beginning of time. The one that God has called us to. The life that will make a difference in the world. I pray that's our desire. Next Sunday, we'll pick up at verse 22 in a part two that I hope is not quite so long. You've been very patient. Thank you. Today, we want to share in Holy Communion. Next week, we'll pick up on this subject of love in this passage. Today, we remember God's love for us. As Christ offered himself for us in his deep love uh, for this world. Uh, could we just offer ourselves again to him today? as we receive Holy Communion. In just a moment, we'll invite you to come, and I'd like to try to just uh, kind of flow from the outside, uh, take that outside uh, route up, and then go back down the center aisle. And uh, Brother Larry and Sister Jane are going to come, and they're going to give these elements to you as you come. And uh, in that way, we'll eat and drink together. Hold those elements until you get back to your seat, and then we'll... We'll receive communion as one. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that it wasn't lost in words today. I trust your Holy Spirit to continue to speak. And Father, we come humbly, yet boldly as your children to this table. To receive the bread and cup that represents your broken body and shed blood. We come with gratitude for your deep, deep love for us. Uh, God, uh, you're here. Give us hearts that just receive you, receive your grace, experience your love anew in this moment. And we do offer ourselves to you again, Father. Fill us, use us, lead and guide us. Help us these days, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Just beginning from the front, moving towards the back, uh, this side coming to Larry, this side coming to Jane. Let's come to his table. We're his kids.
glad days of gathering with the church, both when I was in your place and as a pastor. I think one of the most beautiful scenes is the family coming forward to the Lord's table. We're a beautiful bunch of folks. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the 11th chapter, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he's coming, amen? May he preserve us blameless until that day when we stand in his presence without fault and with great joy. Praise be to Good word, huh? Amen. We have a new song I'm going to teach you this morning. Born. Becoming less like who we are. I don't want more of me. We're going to teach it to you this morning. Oh, I've had it in my head all week. <laughs> Would you stand with me? Just don't get it right Where I talk the talk And I don't walk I miss the moments Right before my eyes Somebody with a hurt That I could have helped Somebody with a hand That I could have helped But I can't see past myself Lord help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love and faith. A little more like gracious, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like Confess I still need help to see the way you see. 
Jesus, amen? Just another way of saying it. Go out there and be Christ's hands and feet as eyes and ears this week. Make a difference in the world in Jesus' name, amen? Go in peace. Have a great day.